0: Good day, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the second quarter 2008 Hewlett-Packard Earnings Call. I would now like to turn the call over to Mr. Jim Burns, Vice President of Investor Relations. Please proceed, sir.
1: Uh, Thanks, Melinda. Good afternoon, and welcome to our second quarter earnings conference call with Chairman and CEO Mark Hurd and CFO Kathy Lefjak. This call is being webcast live, and a replay of the webcast will be available shortly after the call for approximately one year. Some information provided during this call may include forward-looking statements that are based on certain assumptions and are subject to a number of risks and uncertainties, and actual future results may vary materially. Please refer to the risks described in HP's SEC reports, including our Form 10-Q for the fiscal quarter ended January 31, 2008. The financial information discussed in connection with this call, including tax-related items, reflects estimates based on information available at this time and could differ materially from the amount ultimately reported in HP's Form 10-Q for the fiscal quarter ended April 30, 2008. Earnings, operating margins, and similar items at the company level are sometimes expressed on a non-GAAP basis and have been adjusted to exclude certain items including amortization of purchase intangibles and restructuring charges. The comparable GAAP financial information and a reconciliation of non-GAAP amounts to GAAP are included in the tables in the second quarter earnings slide presentation accompanying today's earnings release, both of which are available on the HP Investor Relations website at hp.com. Finally, please refrain from asking multi part questions or clarifications. I'll now turn the call over to Mark.
2: Good afternoon. Thanks, Jim. Thanks for joining us. Hewlett-Packard delivered a strong second quarter. It was strong in most every dimension we measure. We grew revenues 11% and earnings per share 24%. We generated $4.8 billion in cash from operations and returned $3 billion to shareholders through share repurchases and dividends. As I said last quarter, our performance continues to be driven by three important factors, cost savings from initiatives across the company, our deployment of additional sales resources, and a diverse customer base and a broad portfolio that's aligned with the growth areas of the market. While we've become more efficient, I'm pleased, and I'm pleased with that performance. Don't be confused. Our cost, initi- cost initiatives are ongoing, and they are significant, and we expect them to create additional leverage in our operating model. Now, while we primarily want to focus this call on our quarterly results and outlook, before I pass things to Kathy, let me summarize what we discussed last week regarding our definitive agreement with EDS. First, we expect the acquisition of EDS to accelerate our reach into key enterprise accounts. And as I've said before, we are a great engineering and great customer support company, but we have a market coverage problem. And I've spoken to you many times about our efforts to improve our enterprise account presence, especially in the U.S. We expect this deal to significantly improve our enterprise share of wallet and create a platform that gives us opportunities for new business growth. Second, we believe that the cost synergies from this business combination are significant and make this transaction very financially attractive, even without the expected revenue benefits. The cost opportunities take many forms, from overhead costs to scale efficiencies to service delivery automation. We have opportunities to materially improve the margin performance of our combined outsourcing businesses. Make no mistake, we will get the cost out, and we will create value for shareholders. With that, I'll turn it over to Kathy. who will review the numbers from the quarter.
3: Thanks, Mark, and good afternoon, everyone. For the second quarter, revenue totaled $28.3 billion dollars, up 11% year-over-year, or up 5% in constant currency. Non-GAAP operating profit was 10% of revenue, or $2.8 billion, up 22% year-over-year. Looking at revenue by geography, EMEA and Asia-Pacific were each up 16%, and the Americas increased 4%. We generated 70% of our total revenue and all of our growth outside the United States. Second quarter gross margin was 24.8%, up 30 basis points compared to a year ago. This gross margin increase was driven by a generally favorable commodity environment and disciplined pricing. Non-GAAP operating expenses for the quarter were $4.2 billion, or 14.8% of revenue, down from 15.5% a year ago. Adjusting for currency, expenses were up just 1% as we maintained expense discipline while investing in sales and go-to-market resources and absorbing acquisitions. Non-GAAP OINE yielded income of $3 million in the second quarter, down from the prior year, primarily as a result of lower net interest income and net losses from our currency hedging program. Our non-GAAP tax rate was 21% in Q2. Second quarter non gap EPS was 87 cents, up twenty-four percent from seventy cents one year ago. Gap EPS was eighty cents, which included one hundred and seventy two million dollars or seven cents per share in after tax adjustments, primarily related to the amortization of purchase intangibles that were excluded from our non gap results. Looking at the performance by business segment. During the second quarter, imaging and printing revenue was up 6% to $7.6 billion, led by supplies growth of 8%. Commercial hardware revenue grew 6%, while consumer hardware revenue declined 3% year over year. Excluding cameras, consumer hardware revenue increased 2%. Segment operating profit was $1.2 billion, or 16.2% of revenue. In terms of our core printing business, we shipped more than 14 million units in the second quarter, an increase of 6% year-over-year. Year. We, continued, we continued to see solid momentum in our growth initiatives in the second quarter. Our graphic arts business, which is now roughly 10% of IPG revenue, grew in double digits again this quarter. Color laser unit shipments increased 22% year-over-year, year, and printer-based MFP shipments grew 41% buoyed by the introduction of new products this quarter. Within IPG, we are also focused on reducing our costs and have a number of ongoing initiatives to improve supply chain efficiency and lower product costs. At the same time, we will continue to invest for growth and profitability through our commitment to research and development, targeted share gains, growth in graphic arts, and expansion of our enterprise printing sales force. Personal systems continued to post solid results, maintaining the number one worldwide market share position in calendar Q1, with revenue growing 16% to $10.1 billion and unit shipments increasing 21%. ESG maintained balanced growth across the businesses with consumer client revenue up 16% and commercial client revenue up 17%. Notebooks continued to be strong, with unit shipments increasing 46% year-over-year. Segment operating profit for the quarter was $544 million, or 5.4% of revenue. CSG operating profit increased 30%, reflecting solid execution, and to a lesser extent, benefit from a favorable commodity environment. You should expect us to continue to balance revenue growth and profitability by managing our costs and investing in growth. Moving to the technology solutions group. Enterprise storage and servers revenue was $4.8 billion, up 4% year-over-year. Industry standard server revenue was flat versus a tough 17% year-over-year compare. ISS blade growth continues to, to be strong with revenue increasing 64%. ESS growth was driven by the strength in storage and business-critical systems, which each grew faster in Q2 than they have in the last 10 quarters. Revenue in storage grew 14% to just over $1 billion, with the mid-range EVA business growing 17% and the high-end XP business posting 21% growth. The robust storage results reflect the continuing improvements in our coverage and go-to-market model and positive reception of the new EVA and MSA storage products. Business critical systems revenue posted 7% year-over-year growth, with integrity server revenue increasing 35%. BCS grew in every region with significant wins in the United States. Business in markets such as India and China also posted strong growth as these markets build out their infrastructure. Enterprise Storage and Service posted solid second-quarter operating profit of $655 million, or 13.7% of revenue, up 390 basis points from the prior year period, led by stronger performance in storage and BCS, favorable component pricing, and expense discipline. We had a solid quarter in HP Services with revenue of $4.6 billion, up 12% over the prior year period. Technology services delivered strong revenue growth of 10 percent. Outsourcing and consulting and integration revenue increased 14 and 15 percent, respectively. Operating profit for the quarter was $508 million, or 11 percent of revenue, up 10 basis points year over year. The contribution of strong revenue performance from technology services was partially offset by workforce rebalancing in Q2, as we initiated a plan to simplify the organizational structure within services. We are pleased with the progress we have made in reducing costs and accelerating growth. HP software revenue was $727 million, up 28% from the prior year. We continue to take share in the management software layer, both organically and through acquisitions. BTO maintained its momentum with 36% year-over-year growth. Other software, which includes open call, business intelligence, and information management, grew 2% to $134 million. Solid growth in information management was largely offset by year-over-year declines in our open call business. Software reported operating profit of $93 million, or 12.8% of revenue, up from $7 million in the prior year. Strong operating performance within BTO was partially offset by integration costs and investments in business intelligence. HP Financial Services had revenue of $685 million, up 25% year-over-year, and generated operating margin of 6.9%. We are encouraged with the growth in our core financing volume and portfolio assets over the last several quarters as well as the strong performance in end-of-lease renewals and equipment sales. Moving now to the balance sheet. HP-owned inventory entered Q2 at 32 days of supply, down two days compared with a year ago. With regards to channel inventory, we ended the quarter with ESS down roughly a half a week, TSG up roughly a half a week, and IPG approximately flat year over year. Days sales outstanding increased to 43 days in Q2 from 41 days one, day, one year ago. Days payable were, was 53 days, down from 54 days last year. Next, property, plant, and equipment was up $567 million year-over-year year and down 40 basis points as a percentage of revenue. Gross capex was $704 million, down 7% from the prior year period. On a net basis, CapEx was $599 million, roughly flat, year-over-year. Capital expenditures were primarily related to assets used in our leasing business and our investments in IT. On to our cash balance and cash flow. Cash flow from operations accelerated to $4.8 billion for the quarter, and free cash flow was $4.2 billion. Year-to-date, Cash flow from operations was a very strong $8 billion, up 92% year-over-year, and free cash flow was $6.8 billion, up 131%. During the quarter, we also had a net cash outlay of about $1 billion for acquisitions. In addition, we spent $2.8 billion on share repurchases during the quarter, representing approximately 66 million shares. At the end of the quarter, we had roughly $4.5 billion remaining in the current share repurchase authorization. Finally, we paid our normal quarterly dividend totaling $197 million. We ended the quarter with a strong balance sheet, including total gross cash of $11.8 billion and net cash of $3.5 billion. Now, a few comments on our outlook for both the third quarter and the full fiscal year neither of which includes any impact from the acquisition of EDS we announced last week. We expect Q3 fiscal 2008 revenue to be approximately $27.3 billion to $27.4 billion in line with typical seasonality. Given our significant international exposure, our results may be favorably or unfavorably impacted by currency. Assuming exchange rates stay roughly where they are, and given our assumptions about hedging and pricing, we expect full-year revenue will be approximately 114.2 to $114.4 billion. Regarding earnings, there are a few variables to keep in mind. First, we expect that the component pricing environment to be less favorable in Q3 than it has been in the last several quarters. Second, we estimate non-GAAP OINE to be approximately zero for the remainder of the year due to lower interest income, and higher cost of currency hedging. Finally, we expect to continue to repurchase shares in the coming quarters with a modest decline in weighted average shares outstanding in the second half of the year. With that in mind, we expect Q3.08 non-GAAP EPS in the range of 82 to $0.83. Cents. For the full year, we expect non-GAAP EPS to be in the range of $3.54 to $3.58, representing growth of 21 to 22% on revenue growth of roughly 9.5%. Overall, we delivered solid results in Q2 and increased our outlook for the year, reflecting the strength of our business model and our progress to date. We will now open the call for your questions.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, if you would like to ask a question, please press star 1 on your touchtone phone. And our first question comes from the line of Richard Gardner with Citi. Go ahead.
4: Oh, thank you very much. Um, Mark, I just wanted to ask a quick question about the ISS performance in the quarter. Uh, I know that Kathy mentioned that you were up against a, a difficult 17 or 18% year-over-year compare, but it still looked like you were down um, a little bit more than normal seasonal in the quarter, despite the solid growth in blades, and, and was hoping that you could provide some color there.
2: Sure. Thanks, Richard. Yeah, I think down a little, uh, but seasonal. You, you, you're on it. I mean, it was against a tough compare, 17% uh, the year before, uh, good blades growth within it, but uh, very frankly, we picked our spots. Um, we, we saw some spots where we thought we could um, uh, take advantage uh, of things, and we did. There were also in there, Richard, uh, blades being one of those. Um, there are a couple deals we missed that we would like to have had, and that's sort of an execution issue that we'll be uh, we'll be we'll be looking through. But I'd say it's really the tough compare. Uh, we picked our spots, some good numbers in there. For the example of the the blades that we described, and a, and a, f- a couple deals that we would uh, we'd like to have had that we didn't get. Uh,
4: Mark, would you would you say that there's been any any significant change in the competitive environment in terms of pricing or? How your competitors are approaching the marketplace that spotty, factored into richard. the performance yeah.
2: spotty uh, I would say it's not I would not say globally i'd say we saw some spotty uh, stuff in, 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 in different markets, but you know I, I always as I always tell you richard I, <laughs> I have a hard time with the i can't remember when it wasn 't competitive um, as opposed to, to to when it is, but yeah, a couple of spots where it was a little bit more competitive than perhaps what we 've seen in the last couple of quarters.
3: I think I'd also add the fact that uh, we ended channel inventory in really good shape um, for ISS and ESS, and so uh, we're going into the quarter in good shape.
2: Yeah, I think, Richard, it's another point that, that Kathy hit on, which I think is, is, is great. We were, we were pretty prudent with with the way we looked at inventory, and while you see the ESS number in, in total within it, the ISS channel inventory was uh, – was, was, was pretty strong, pretty strong being to find we have less inventory uh, in the channel at the same time as we're going up against that, uh, that compare. So okay. th- that's, that's really the ISS story.
4: Okay. I know Jim's going to kill me for asking a three-part question, but do you feel like virtualization is having an, any impact on your x86 business at this point uh, with customers uh, virtualizing with VMware on existing hardware as opposed to buying new hardware?
2: Certainly not materially in the quarter. And Richard, I can, as you look at the $60 billion server market and the opportunity to replatform platform from um, sort of non industry standard platforms to industry standard platforms, the industry standard server platform is really the beneficiary of that transformation. So, it, depending on which way you look at the virtualization question, uh, virtualization actually can be in many ways a driver. For industry standard server growth, so I think my answer with TV was certainly intra quarter within that. No.
4: Okay. Thank you.
2: Thanks.
0: Our next question comes from the line of Ben Reitzes with Lehman Brothers. Go ahead.
5: Thank you very much. Good afternoon, uh, Mark. Could you talk a little bit about uh, Europe? Um, there's some worries uh, in the marketplace. About Europe and, and what that's going in, what the momentum of business is going into your July quarter, and then if I could also just sneak in um, similar questions uh, around PCs. It, it actually seems maybe that units picked up in April. Uh, I was just wondering if you could characterize the PC market and competition uh, given what's going on
4: there. Uh, thank you very much.
2: Well, I tell you, we're having a tough time with discipline on the multipart questions, but Ben, I'll, I'll go. Um, I'll go take them. Um, Europe was strong for us. Obviously, 16% growth year on year. It's up to 42% of the company. The performance across Europe was strong. It was broad uh, across uh, all of our divisions. Uh, very strong. I would tell you that within linearity, and I, I won't answer it specifically into PCs, but within the quarter, we had a pretty normal quarter in terms of linearity. If anything, and I I say this cautiously, but but. We were probably a little stronger in April than than, um, than traditional linearity, and I only say that cautiously because I don't want somebody to run too far with it. But the quarter behaved roughly as we would have expected. Perhaps as you saw, we we, we obviously beat our guidance from a revenue perspective, and and um, you know April was 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 uh, was a healthy uh, healthy month for us.
5: Okay, and competitively uh, in PCs. Um, you know you you were able to have that even even with a competitor filling the channel i yeah, was just yeah, wondering I
2: mean, yeah we, we we felt very good about the you know the uh p s g uh quarter obviously we 're going up against the uh, uh, you know, talk about tough compares. I mean, this was a, a, a huge quarter for us last year from a from a growth rate perspective in PCs. And, you know, d- dialing in a 16% uh, growth number here uh, was, again, probably, to be very blunt, a little stronger than than, than we had expected and that, that, that we had modeled. So uh, PSG had a very, uh, very strong quarter. Thanks a lot. Thank you.
0: Our next question comes from the line of Tony Sakanagi with Sanford Birdstein.
6: Go ahead. Uh, Yes, thank you. Mark, I was wondering if you could talk at all about the economic environment. Um, The the thing that struck me most was um, the U.S. growth rate actually looked like it was slightly negative in the quarter, and that's down from 6%, 7%, and 12% growth in the last three quarters. Um, Additionally, if, if I look at your guidance and run my little currency model, it looks like you're guiding for about 2.5% growth at constant currency year-over-year year in Q3 and 2.7% in Q4. Now, again, very tough comparisons, completely understand that. But but is there something here, particularly in the U.S., that caused that pretty notable deceleration in the second quarter from in your business and then something around the overall economy, maybe U.S.-centric, um that has you forecasting a revenue growth rate that you know was ultimately below your target model and i think you know would would certainly be the lowest reported growth rates of constant currency that you've had since you've joined hp
2: well thanks tony uh by the way if you'll send me that little currency model i'll review it <laughs> for you and uh and 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 give you some thoughts but uh listen i think the, the back to the overall situation right i mean the fact that we could have a flattish performance in the U.S. and grow the company 11% I think is indicative of the, the position of the company. And, you know, to be very blunt, Tony, we pick our spots, right? We, we look around where we see the opportunity, and we try to be nimble enough to take advantage of those opportunities as we see it. And that's, for us, obviously, as you know, we have to position inventory, and we have to position uh, to align our demand to where we see the opportunity. And I think to be very blunt with our businesses, we did a pretty darn good job in the quarter uh, trying to line up to, to fulfill the opportunities that we saw U.S. Right. to be specific was just spotty um, we had some very good numbers in the U.S. Kathy talked about storage. She talked about business-critical systems. IPG had had, had positions of strength. So, I mean, there's some very – I could go on. I mean, there were some, some positions that were, were, were very positive. And to your point, we're going up again tough, tough compares. So I, I hate to give you so much data. I usually try to make it a little bit more concise. But the U.S. is a tale of many stories, and spotty would be the best way to describe it. I wouldn't describe it all bad. Uh, but I wouldn't describe it all good either. And then within that, we frankly spun the dials to the opportunities that we saw to take advantage of, of what we saw on the market. And, and, and we really, while we look at countries, we look at the optimizing the entire business as we go, and, and that's what we did, Tony.
6: But but is, is the choice around where you chose to play, Mark, is, it's, I mean, are you effectively saying, you know there there are parts of the us market because of the growth or because of the pricing that's required that you chose not to play in um, you yeah know. I, wouldn't,
2: I wouldn't go to elasticity so much Tony I mean I think it really is the alignment of demand and and um, you know I don't, I don't think in the us that the uh, uh, I would go drive right down to pricing although it's an element of what we look at we try to line up where the demand is and again, I think the best thing I can tell you about the us and it 's probably where i'll leave it it's just right now a, a very spotty market and one that, 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 that we try to maintain caution around. Okay. Thank you.
0: Thanks, Tony. Our next question comes from the line of Shannon Cross with Cross Research. Go ahead.
3: Uh, good afternoon. Oh, just a question on cash flow, because obviously at $4.8 billion, it was quite strong in the quarter. Can you... Kathy, provide us with any sort of puts and takes, things to keep in mind as we look for the full year, um, since obviously you did as much cash in the first two quarters as you did, and I think it's all of 2005. Thanks. So we laid out uh, some guidance around cash flow from operations at the security analyst meeting in December, and we, we said we thought we'd be about $11 billion. Um, you know, Basically having done $8 billion so far this year, With only half completed, we clearly expect to do a bit better than that. We are ahead of plan. Um, Part of that is due to earnings, and frankly part of that is due to uh, some improvement in the working capital space. We've we've really focused on getting inventory in better order and making good progress there, and we're uh, focusing on accounts payable as well. So definitely some upside to cash flow for ops this year.
2: Yeah, I think Shannon, there's clearly some interquarter movement uh, across the cash flow, so I wouldn't make it all additive, and I wouldn't double eight billion to 16. Um, but we'll clearly do better than, than, than our forecast. Um, we'll have to see how it eventually lands in, but clearly this has been a very strong performance for us, and it's no one thing. It's a multitude of things that have uh, have occurred. and so to, the, to Kathy's point, we'll clearly beat this forecast.
3: Can you talk uh, just? Can you talk anything about uh, your share repurchase strategy with the acquisition of EDS, and then that's my last question. Thanks. So, with with the kind of cash flow that we're generating, we fully expect to be active in our shares, um, even post uh, the EDS acquisition. Um, probably not too dissimilar from uh, the programs that we run today.
0: Great. Thanks.
2: We like our shares pretty well, Shannon. <laughs> Good.
0: Thanks. Thank you. Our next question comes from the line of Keith Bachman with Bank of Montreal. Go ahead.
5: Hi, thank you. I had a, a couple questions, or a, a question, rather, on the IPG group. Kathy, um, clarification, though, um, consumer printer hardware units, on the slide deck says up 4%. I thought you said it was up plus 2 um, net of some consumer units. Just wanted you to clarify. Um, but then, Mark, on a broader scale, was just hoping you could speak about um, how we should think about the inkjet side of the business in terms of unit potential uh, as well as on, if you can, disseminate a little bit on the supply side of inkjets and how we should be thinking about that market evolving. Thanks.
3: Well, Keith, let me uh, um, just orient you on the first question because I was one, one is units. So uh, we're up in units 4%. Yep. In, re- in revenue, if you adjust just for cameras, we're up 2%.
5: Okay, but, Kathy, can you adjust for cameras on units, please?
2: Can't. I, we, could, we could try, Keith. I'll, I'll, we'll try to get somebody to get back to you on we it. We don't count cameras as printer units, Yeah, that's Keith. really not in the unit count anyway, Keith. So okay. it really hits the revenue number, but not the uh, uh, the unit number uh, as we, we calculate it. Um, but uh, let's go back to the uh, inkjet thing. Inkjets actually look pretty strong, uh, you know, within the roundings of the uh, – Uh, Inventory, too, we've done a good job on on our channel inventory. Demand uh, looked uh, looked, uh, better. So uh, overall, good uh, sort of ecosystem result would be the way I would describe it, Keith, in the context of both uh, unit placements and the supply attach uh, associated with it. And so, Mark, just a broader
5: question is, when we talk about uh, slowdown in the U.S. or the economy, are are you seeing or have differences in terms of the – What's happening in the inkjet? Because this quarter was, frankly, a little bit easier compared than the last couple quarters. Are you seeing some reaction uh, due to the consumer slowdown here in the U.S. or otherwise on that particular business unit?
2: Thanks. Um, I would say that we saw no material change um, in inkjet in the U.S., if anything. If anything, and again, I say this on the margin – If anything, perhaps a little bit better. And it's back to my earlier answer um, to to Tony. It's just the U.S., I would not want you to walk away from the call with, um, you know, HP said the U.S. is is all bad. That's, That's certainly not what we're seeing. We're seeing spotty results in the U.S. It's a little different by industry. It's even a little different by geography. And it's a little different by business unit. And within that, I could tell you a storage story. I could tell you a, a business critical system story, an inkjet story. And it's just a mixed bag. And so what I've tried to do today was not go into all of that detail because I think it would take a long time to go through. But there's good numbers in there, Keith. And there's some numbers that we wish we wished were better, but we think it's a factor of the market. We also feel very good about our Share position within the context of all of all that, so um, uh, long answer but but that's that 's what we 're seeing Keith I think the
3: other okay, over- thank you. the other overlay to that is the fact that we had said last quarter that we didn 't execute as well as we would have liked. Um, I, we would say that we executed better this quarter this
2: is an IPG comment that, yep. that kathy 's making I think last quarter yep. you know, we we left some units on the table and uh, you know, we didn't feel as good about the the execution, and um, you know this was a this was a better execution from IPG's perspective this quarter.
0: Okay, thanks, guys. Thank you. Our next question comes from the line of Brian Alexander with Raymond James. Go ahead.
2: Uh, thanks, um,
5: Mark. This is uh, on the PSG side. This is the first quarter where I think commercial revenue grew
2: faster than consumers since January of '05, albeit the delta was small. Uh, it also represents a slight deceleration in the contribution margin for PSG, uh, but still a strong 9%. I'm not sure if I should be connecting those two factors, but the no. questions would be do you expect the mix shift to continue uh, toward commercial? And two, is there still a sizable gap uh, in operating margins between consumer and commercial such that this
5: creates an additional headwind going forward?
2: Yeah. Uh, listen, I, I think you're – I appreciate your analytics, Brian. I think, you know, you, you've done a nice job with that. I, I, you're connecting dots I wouldn't connect. Don't connect commercial and consumer. Don't connect the mix. There's also loads that go in which, which, which are not unique to each business in terms of costing loads. So I, I, I would not connect those dots. I would not connect the dots of a shift in mix. I would not connect the dots of different contribution margins based on those shifts, um, as anything material uh, to the business, I, I would say that PSG saw opportunities in the commercial segment, took advantage of them, uh, had some very, very strong wins in the quarter that we were uh, pretty uh, pretty pretty pleased with. Um, their operating margins are on the margin, uh, if that makes any, any, any sense. But I mean, the difference is on the margin. And uh, again, I, I'd say PSG, as we went into the quarter, uh, because we're trying to pick our spots prudently. Um, as, as we look at the market, PSG performed um, in line with our expectations, Brian. If not a little bit a little bit stronger than, than than what we thought, so we felt very good about the PSG quarter and their position. Great, thanks. Thank
0: you. Our next question comes from the line of David Bailey with Goldman Sachs. Go ahead.
2: Yes, great. Thank you very
5: much. Um, the slowing growth in the U.S., I guess, is not a big surprise given what's going on in the economy, but your year-over-year growth in APAC uh, at a constant currency dropped a fair amount uh, this quarter. Can you comment on, about, on how much of that is macro-driven and more broadly what you're seeing from a de- demand perspective in Asia?
2: We felt pretty good about Asia, David. I mean, we grew, uh, obviously, 16%, and you've got to, you know, look at currency uh, uh, on a, on a uh, year-over-year and sequential basis. One, one thing about currency that just to be a little bit cautious about is when you look at the cycle times of our business, um, not all that currency i don 't want to get into a big currency dialogue because this could take up you know longer than we have left for the call, but when you look at the cycle times of some of these businesses, the currency doesn 't all stick to your fingers, so to speak, because of the speed by which these move across it 's a little different in each in each business so i, I wouldn 't read as much into as I think many people do into those into those things. I still think this is the right way for us to, to report it. But we felt good about Asia. We felt good about the demand and the position in Asia, our shared position in Asia. So uh, we came out of the quarter in Asia pretty uh, pretty encouraged, David. Yeah, thank you.
0: Thank you. Our next question comes from the line of Jeff Vitacaro with Mira Lynch. Go ahead.
1: Uh, hi. Thanks for taking my call. Mark, I was wondering if you could just get a quick update on some of the operational savings as far as the data centers and where they stand as far as percent completion of closings as well as the uh, the applications. I know you've been working them down from 6,000, getting toward your target of 1,500. Just if you give us a quick update on where that stands.
2: Sure, I'll give you some rough numbers. We closed the quarter with 2,500 applications running Hewlett Packard. Um, we've got uh, about 65 percent of our data centers now closed that we will close. Uh, we believe by the end of Q3 we'll be about 90 to 95 percent of the way through and finished by the fiscal year. So, um, a couple of points on that, Jeff, that I think we will we are in position to get the full run rate uh, savings in '09 as we've uh, as we've talked about. I think uh, we'll be at the Somewhere a little higher than 1,500, but 1,700, 1,800 applications by the end of the year. It's I think 1,780 is the uh, is the destination point. Um, this puts us in a position to uh, do a couple things. One, obviously, uh, finish off our transformation. But to do two things: one, to integrate. Um, any other uh, acquisitions that uh, we do, or at least the one that we talked about last week, which is a big issue for us to be in a position to have that kind of capacity and capability to integrate. And uh, that's significant for us. Secondly, uh, we've got an opportunity now to start working on our applications and the productivity that comes from the applications now being integrated. We've given examples before that you know we had 18 planning applications in the company. So I don't know how many different ways you can plan, but we found 18 different ways to do it. We now plan in one way. Um, I could go down this you know, area by area, consumer apps where we had 75 and now have one. So the fact that we now have global application sets allow us to now accelerate our productivity sort of process by process as we go across the company. Uh, one last one I'll give you free of charge is we used to deal with our channel partners where any time a channel partner wanted to give us information, we accepted the format that the channel partner gave us. So we had however many channel partners, that's how many different ways that we accepted data, which is not necessarily... An application it's different processes getting those all collapsed into one global way to do it gives us an opportunity now to increase our productivity so darn near completed um, very good job i think by our it now capable of with capacity to be able to integrate uh, you know, a, a, an acquisition like we've talked about in addition to the fact that we now have a productivity model that allows us to enhance our global applications because we now have uh, a simpler uh, uh, environment. So maybe more data than you wanted, Jeff, but that's where we are.
1: Great, just one quick follow-up. As you look at your data centers uh, and you get closer to completion, what sort of utilization levels do you have available for, say, like an EDS-type uh, uh, integration? Is there a lot of room to move them to your data centers or and or automate their processes?
2: Uh, so, yes, we could completely uh, house them in our existing capacity. Um, and yes uh, we we have an idea about the applications, and yes, we have an idea about how to globalize those applications and those processes so it 's a very uh, uh, to your point I think very insightful it 's a very important piece of of what we do. And, and, and Jeff, we, we think we've built a competency now in this capability. I can tell you, if you look over three years and the total report card, and you look holistically over where we started and where we've come to, that capability and that asset uh, for Hewlett Packard is now a, uh, a, a big opportunity, big advantage for us. Great, thank you. Thanks, Jeff.
0: Our next question comes from the line of Bill Fernley with FTN Midwest. Go ahead.
1: Yeah, good afternoon. I'd like to switch gears, if I could, sort of the storage. Um, Mark, how do you rate your performance in relation to competitors, and especially in storage? Have you turned a corner here, and are you gaining new customers or selling more to the, uh, to the existing base?
2: So, uh, Bill, good question. Uh, I think it's a lot better. So, you know, uh, I'm, I'm happier. So I just gave you an incremental metric um, on an absolute basis. Listen, we can just do better than this. And, and uh, you know we 've got new product we 've announced into the market uh, during the quarter um, uh, in the in the storage space that we 're excited about uh, we 've begun to, to bring together some of the acquisitions we 've done and align some of our storage essential software with our with our platforms we 're doing more work in the channel uh, and it, 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 it turned into good growth I mean for us to get mid double digit growth or fourteen percent growth in the quarter is is better than, than we 've seen. Um would I tell you that there if if, I, if there's anybody taking a lap around the building i I, I sure haven't seen them because we've got a lot more work to do to be a participant in the way that, that HP ought to be a participant in the storage market. So I think it's good, and the good news is we're getting it done with uh, with good old-fashioned blocking and tackling. There are net new customers in addition to uh, us being able to uh, upsell and cross-sell into our base. And we've really got to build do a better job integrating our channel partners go-to-market, because we obviously, as you know, we've got a tremendous server uh, channel Uh, support, and and getting that same support on the storage side from many of the same partners is important for us.
1: Are you increasing incentives to get them to do that, or do you think they're they're making the proper progress at this point? I, I
2: wouldn't say we've increased incentives as much as we've focused those incentives. And that, you know, we've done some things to say, listen, again, back to our previous uh, uh, discussions and calls about sometimes for us, it's the way we spend our channel money and our incentives as opposed to how much. Uh, Do we incent on pure volume or pure units or do we incent on attach? So, you you know, if you just went down a, a metric of storage attached to our servers, you would get a big growth in, in 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 storage volume. The question is, why hasn't that occurred? Well, some of that's the way we incent the channel. It is an amount of dollars, but it's the way we package those dollars. So it's more about that than it is increasing the amount. But getting focused and being very clear to our partners, this is what we value, so therefore this is how we incent. And some of that has occurred in 2008, and that's at least a reason why you're seeing some of the improvement that you're seeing. So it's Thanks. also
3: how we segment. Expect- our channel partners in some cases because we didn't have as good a storage relationship in some of our ProLiant uh, uh, channel partners, and so we've really expanded that. We've also added um, what we call road warriors to basically help um, sell the storage through the channel um, that is also showing some uh, good re- early good returns.
2: Kathy's point's exactly right. I mean, this pro- the ProLiant... Franchise and what it's driven, and aligning that with the storage group is 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 is, is a very important uh, uh, thing that uh, that's that's going on here. So we we, we want more. We're, we're expecting more good things, Bill. There, I don't want you for one minute to think we're satisfied with it.
1: Thanks for the detail. Appreciate it.
0: Our next question comes from the line of Luma, Scotia with Cohen and Company. Go ahead.
7: Okay, thank you. Uh, Going back to EDS, EDS, I have a couple quick questions here. I guess your comment that you could uh, completely house uh, EDS's operation in your existing capacity, you know, they spent a ton of money throughout the years on their own uh, IT infrastructure. What were they inherently doing that I guess was uh, less efficient that you can uh, bring to the table? Was it uh, decentralization of their data centers? And then the uh, second question would be uh, if you could give us a little bit more of a comment on just uh, India in the sense of uh, EDS obviously has best shore, uh, but they've we're stumbling a little bit, but do have a footprint in India, and uh, can you actually uh, do a lot with that in expanding it?
2: So uh, I think your comment, Lou, was about EDS and their, their utilization levels of IT and you know, how they've dealt with their IT expenses. That, that, that was the question, right? The first one and the second one's India? Yes. Okay, great. Let me, let me try to nail it. First, the data center consolidation we talked about for EDS, I want to make sure it was clear, was internal IT, not trade. So just to make sure there's no confusion, we separate trade and internal IT, and what I was talking about was internal IT, and I think you are too, Lou. So, um, you know, I I – Certainly can't explain to you any historical uh, issues other than what we see and the opportunity we see, which we think is significant to leverage uh, their, that capability with with, with, with our capability. Um, so we feel uh, we feel good about it. We've done a lot of due diligence on it. We think it's a pretty significant opportunity that puts us in a, uh, in, in, a in a better position. Um, in terms of India, obviously uh, both companies have a footprint there, but you know we're less sort of these days, and I've tried to mention this several times. We're We we feel very good about India. We think India is an important country. But at the same time, we look to optimize in in many locations. And so India is important, but it isn't the only country where we have significant uh, operations that that, that we leverage. So we're still bullish on India. Obviously, EDS has been bullish on India. They've got some 40,000 employees there. Uh, Remembering, too, that of their 130,000 employees, 30,000 of those employees are government employees that work right next to the government because of contracts, so of their 100,000, and remaining employees, they have a very significant presence uh, in India. But we continue to optimize to, to, to best shore locations, as we think uh, uh, makes sense.
7: Okay, great. And just a quick follow-up. How about what both you and they are doing from uh, IT infrastructure outsourcing? Obviously, it seems like you uh, plan on merging that, too, and you think you can get some efficiencies there, too? Uh,
2: we, we, we think about efficiencies all over the place, Lou. So we think it's material in both process and in, 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 in what we do. Yes. Okay, thank you.
0: Our next question comes from the line of Katie Huberty with Morgan Stanley. Go ahead.
2: Thanks.
3: Good afternoon. Kathy, in light of the currency hedge losses that hit the P&L this quarter, what was the net impact of the weaker dollar on the bottom line, and how should we think about that over the next couple of quarters? So, Katie, I'm I'm afraid I'm going to go down an accounting route here that uh, I'm going to lose some of you on, but um, the the currency losses that, that I was actually referencing are from hedging our balance sheets um, outside the United States. And that currency loss is a big chunk of that is really just the fact that interest rate differentials have switched flipped around on us, and we are now paying away points when we hedge our balance sheet as opposed to earning points. And so it's really not related to the revenue hedging that we do because the revenue revenue hedging is all completely in... um, from the revenue line all the way to operating profit. So we don't actually, it's very difficult for us to completely capture the total currency impact on the p and L. I I can tell you what it is from a balance sheet perspective easily, because it shows up in oi but the rest of it is buried in basically every line. Okay, thanks.
1: Okay, why don't we take two more questions, Operator?
0: Yes, sir. Our next question comes from the line of clay Sumner with FBR go ahead
5: yeah, thanks very much just wanted to revisit the IPG uh, business revenue was up six percent or so supplies were up eight percent yet operating income I think was flat in dollars year-over-year I year. just I assume that it uh, essentially reflects a shift in the overall portfolio to laser uh, might we expect that, that uh, wide format mix and edge line to halt that shift to laser and if
2: so when uh, Clay, listen, to Mark here. Um, listen, 16.2 is a pretty good number for us. We, uh, we usually, I remember the days when I got here, we never thought we could make more than 15 in the business, and so uh, 16 is a good number uh, for us overall. We have uh, invested in the salespeople in enterprise. We have invested in salespeople in the graphics. Uh, graphics had another uh, good strong quarter where we're investing some salespeople into, uh, into that mix. There is shift from laser, as you've described, uh, that I would uh, uh, say. Sort of adds to that portfolio shift, but, but overall pretty healthy uh, IPG performance uh, all the way around in the fact that we could deliver 16.2, deliver 6% unit growth turn in 8% supplies growth, and yet also invest in the demand creation for the future in the enterprise and into graphics. And I think as Kathy referenced a little bit earlier in her, her talk, graphics is now quickly becoming a, a, a material piece of the business that's got a very attractive growth rate and delivers a, a very positive operating performance for the business. So we are investing into uh, graphics as we invest in enterprise. And it's really the mix of those factors that gets that gets to the answer that uh, we did, not just laser alone. But but I would tell you, as I said about Q1, and I'll say this about Q2, uh, IPG had a strong quarter in Q2.
3: I think you also need to take into consideration, we've talked a lot about this, whether it's in IPG or other segments, is that we are investing to grow, to Mark's point, but we're also investing to save, to basically set ourselves up um, with the right cost structure in the longer term, And you certainly saw some of that in the IPG uh, P&L this quarter as well.
5: So just to clarify, you're you're suggesting maybe that gross margins were more positive than operating margins because of the investments?
3: There are investments in both uh, the cost of sales line as well as in OPEX.
2: I'd say generally your question, your your point is right. Yes, and and that there is some cost for investing to save, as Kathy described, and there is some investment to grow, as Kathy described, and it's it's the combination of those two factors um, that we think it's prudent to be able to invest to grow and also to invest to take structural cost out of IPG for the long run. And both of those are in the Q2 numbers. And you know, again, I'll say one more time, and yet delivered 16.2 as we did it. So. Uh, we, we feel we feel good about that. Thank you. Thanks, Gly.
0: Our next question comes from Alana Scott Craig with Bank of America. Go ahead.
1: Hey, good afternoon. Thanks, hey Mark. With regards to Europe specifically, I know you guys have a number of different channels that you're getting hardware product out to, but can you can you contrast what the some of your larger distributors are saying, like the Ingram Micros and the Tech Data's of the world, where they're seeing weakness in Europe and. Typically, my understanding was that's a a larger uh, channel for you in Europe than it is elsewhere. And then maybe what you're seeing in the direct business or the retail business over there, because there seems to be some sort of disconnect from the solid trends you guys are seeing in Europe versus some of your partners.
2: Yeah. Scott, I very much... Don't like talking for them, so um, I don't want to have any effect on on them or their their commentary. Uh, we just saw a strong a strong Europe, and to your point, we're very diversified in Europe. There is also a very large reseller base in Europe. So if you just looked at sheer number of partners. The way the channel works in Europe is uh, a, a bit more dispersed than what you would see in, in in the U.S. In addition, Europe is now a very diverse economy between Russia, you know, Central Europe, Eastern Europe, Middle East, and so when you when you talk about Europe, we combine it into this thing called EMEA. But inside EMEA, you've got a whole series of things that go on between uh, more mature Euro markets and, and markets that are actually much more like an emerging market in the context of some of the markets I've already described. So it's, 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 it's really hard to, to, to generalize about a conclusion there, and I would, not, I would not take a result from one of those distributors you described and then try to extrapolate Hewlett Packard's results across Europe for a quarter. I think it's a, it's, it's a very dangerous thing to uh, to do because of the disparate nature of Europe today and the, 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 the uh, uh, different sets of types of partners that are out there. So, again, one more time, Scott. I mean, I think to your question, Europe was, was strong for us in the quarter in, across really everything that we touch. So it was strong across most every uh, segment that we, uh, that we have. Okay, thanks. Thank you. Okay, I think we'll, we'll leave it there today, and I guess just at the end of the, the, the day, to summarize the quarter for us, uh, we had strong growth in the quarter uh, at 11%. We felt it was balanced. Um, and we picked our spots where to participate and we felt like we got good results from that. We had margin expansion. The company executed from an expense perspective with discipline. Kathy gave you those numbers and we feel good about the fact that that when you look at X currency, uh, our our spending was was in line. Uh, This is the best cash flow performance we've had in the company's history. And... uh, we feel, we feel good about that, and uh, we were active in the market in terms of share buybacks. So I, I think at the end of the day, when you think about the second half for us, we, we go in with a diverse marketplace, diversity of customers, geography, and businesses. And at the same time as we see that from revenue opportunity, um, we're going to continue to be very focused on driving efficiency, and there is more leverage in our operating model to gain out of the cost actions that, uh, that we're taking. Uh, We'll leave it at that today. Thanks for joining us, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon.